Oh, 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 cheeky monkeys. Get on with it. Toppy, toppy. Hello and welcome to a Burkett Wonderland and Arsenal podcast. My name is Carl Walker. You all know me. I'm the person who gets you to work on time. Shut it, Fifey. With me today, I have the man who is always here, Daniel. How are you, Daniel? Hello, I'm Daniel John Sweetman. I went to Cambridge University and I studied um, sympathy. I didn't actually. I failed. (laughs) Oh, how are you, Daniel? How was your Christmas? It was very nice. Sean's been back. She's still bloody here, milking it. Oh no, mum, milking me dry. They're about to work. I'll be in Cambridge tomorrow, maybe people. Never know, I might be wandering around. If you see a fat bloke with a hell of a beard, that's me. Don't come and say hello, because I, I despise the, 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 the uneducated and the poor. Are you doing a meet and greet, Daniel? <laughs> I am. It's uh, £10, and I promise I'll avoid you. <laughs> and also, we have Mr Andrew Fife. How are you, Andrew? Hello, Carl. Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad. I'm sure um, your journey was delightful today. How much am I right? It certainly began with a D, E, and an L. Um, <laughs> well, no, today was like my first day, actually, and I didn't bring it up in the group. My first day back to work on Monday, I thought I'm going to get into, I left, I got onto the overground at 6am because I like to go to the gym before work. We got to Dalston Kingsland, the only part of my station where I have no signal, and we were delayed for seven minutes. So first day back, that was a brilliant way to start the new year. I didn't want to bring it up, but you went there. But yeah, yeah, but it's only seven. It could have been ten. It could have been, which by, I guess, TFL standards is not bad. Every cloud, Andrew, every cloud. Mathematically, that is the the seventh smallest possible number in the existence of the human race. Throughout the universe, there's loads of numbers more than seven. I think you've got a way of only having the seventh smallest. Right. Thank you. You tell him, Daniel. Choo-woo, mother truckers. (laughs) Right. Before we kick into today's show, um, us at ABW, we'd like to thank everyone for their well wishes uh, for David's family. It meant a lot. Uh, we are, they were overawed and humbled by the message of condolences. Um, so I ABW, just want to say thank you for the messages um, regarding David's passing. Right, uh, let's get into today's show. So we've had some good wins, haven't we, Andrew? Uh, our last two results, we beat Leeds and we beat Manchester United. Um uh, We'll talk about the, the games individual, individually before we get onto there. But I just want to say, just before we get into it, when Arteta was appointed, how did you feel and how do you feel now, now we've got some games under his belt? Oh, he's actually gone. He's had enough. He, oh, he right. hated your introduction. <laughs> I'll do that to you, Daniel, then. So, yeah. right. So, obviously, Arteta, he's had uh, four games, am I right? He's had yeah. the Bournemouth. Chelsea, Man United and Leeds. So when he was first appointed, how did you feel about his appointment? I wasn't happy. I thought the only thing he could possibly bring to the club is the fact that he's an ex-player. And we've said for you, it's slowly creeped up on us, hasn't it? The, the for We've gone from the stage of having no ex-players at the club, moaning about we want ex-players at the club. Then all of a sudden, we've got loads of ex-players at the club, whether it be Edu, Lundberg, um, Boldy was always there. Pam, uh, Liam Brady was there, then he left. There's been over the years, there's been some, but now we've got, we've got what, five or six? Did Perez has been training with them. I mean, we'd love to have Ian Wright back at the club, teaching people how to score goals. So, uh, 
I wasn't overly enthusiastic by it. I thought he's got no managerial experience. He's what he's none. Zero official games has he been manager of. At least Freddie has been manager of the under twenty threes. But if you read reports about people unlike us who know their football, they said that Arteta took all the training at Man City. All the players at Man City loved him. And as soon as it was announced he was our manager, the number of ex players, managers, coaches that come out and went, This bloke is something special. And I thought, well, I'm not going to argue with that because they're going to know well better than we know, than I know. And uh, I thought, well, I was going to go with always get always support the manager, no matter how bad they are. Up until the, the the end of the 22 years, I was still begrudgingly supporting the manager, and I'm very happy with it. He's he seems to. I think there was a there was a tweet today, and someone had cut and pasted cut and pasted a message and sent it as a tweet saying, "If I don't like what I see." then I'm going to change what I see. Something along those lines. I've really badly mashed that up. And I think that's what he's doing because uh, we saw with Fred, with Fred, he was saying about um, Pepe, didn't like what I saw in training. He's not playing. And maybe um, Arteta has seen the same things because uh, Fred uh, um, Pepe hasn't been playing the games, uh, all the games like you think he would do. He seems to have sorted out Ozil because he's one of, like I've said a few times, he's one of only three other players that are still at the club. Elneny, who's out on loan, and there's Chambers and there's Bellerin. Other than that, they're the only three players at the club that were playing when Arteta was, was still playing. And uh, I think he's put his arm around Arteta and gone, we've played together. I know what makes you tick. Because when Arteta was playing with Ozil, that was the two seasons that Ozil was really, really good for us, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, I just want to ask you a question quickly, followed up. The reason why you didn't want Arteta, was it solely on the fact that he had no managerial experience? Or was it the fact that you wanted someone more established? Um, a little bit of both. I, I Before the people came out and said how well he'd done with Man City, how much in, in control he actually was there and how much he, the, the play, he had the players' respects, so I thought... We were top, when we're one of the biggest clubs in the world, maybe not at the current moment, but historically, and maybe if you look back the last 10 or 15 years, you look at the, the number of overall Premier League points and the number of finals being in and the players we've got and the wages we're playing and the quality. I mean, there's, you're not going to get many better strikers in the world than Lacazette and Aubameyang. And I thought maybe that would be a little bit too big for a player like uh, an ex-player like Arteta to come in and manage. But that's not what, that's not what happened. We've, uh, we've had two games, two wins in a row, two clean sheets in a row. The last time we did that, was back at the beginning of October. So whatever rot is there, Aubameyang was leaving, Ozil was going out on loan, Xhaka was leaving the club. They all look like they're going to stay now, doesn't it? Don't they? I mean, it's amazing what, you know, the, the, the old phrase, new manager bounce. And it took us a little while to get there. But like, like you said, Danny, I'm happy with Arteta. So far, he's shown that he's got us playing differently. You know, he's got us pressing, you know, the way that Man City hunt down the opposition he's got us passing better he's got our shape and I think when uh, Emre was in charge we always asked what kind of football team is Arsenal are they a pressing team are they someone who uh, plays on the counter attack are they someone who does possession football I, I, I don't know sort of um how you could describe us but now you can see what Arteta is trying to do with us he's trying to make us fit and the, the football that Arteta wants to play we're not fit enough to play that yet we can't yeah that's uh, definitely, definitely seen you know, that yeah and um, it's going to take time I, you know I don't even think that will happen this season I genuinely think it will take uh, a long while you may be able towards the end of the season you might start seeing it but Arteta needs a full pre-season he needs you know to get the players um, in that training ground and say, this is how I want you to play. This is how you're going to get and that 
you know, I do feel sorry for the players in preseason, to be honest, because you know that they're going to have to work very, very hard to get to play that football, to get the fitness levels that Arteta wants, because at the moment, we are just not there. Yeah, good point on the new manager bounce because we were robbed of that with Freddie. He had one win against West Ham, which played really well. Just after that, West Ham sacked their manager. That's how embarrassing it was being beat by by um, the current Arsenal team. But I was thinking, you were saying about them um, getting their back to foot, the, the 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 amount of fitness and uh, ability to do stuff that he's going to require from the team. It, I do, I did, we did kind of see under the Wenger days, he had. Um, extreme levels of fitness and ability and way passing six fifty foot 40 30 60 passes of them i don't know it's a really high number at times that as soon as emery took over that started to fade away and then the match fitness started to fade away and maybe arteta is had ingrained in him the way that wenger has said right you eat this you do this you train here you do that and we're slowly starting to see it but i think the biggest point the biggest difference that uh, arteta has had is terea you're a defensive midfielder. Xhaka, you stay in the middle. Ozil, you stay in there behind those lot. You defenders, you do a bit of defending. And I think the likes of Willock and uh, Saka, um, Nelson and Ashley Maitland-Niles yet again has come in and saved us. Because for those, especially Saka and Maitland-Niles, for those two to go, you're not really had much to do with the first team. Oh, now you're our full, and now you're our wingbacks. And Nelson has seemed to change the kind of player he is. And uh, I always think that, Smith Rowe is another young player who I really think he's going to be brilliant. But whenever he played for us, you always had the look of a child that's just been sent to their room to tidy their room up. Very, oh, very, even though he's scoring goals, I always thought something's not quite right there. But Arteta's come in and these young players, I mean, I always joked with Josh saying that when, um, uh, Nelson was at Hoffenheim last season, he, he was, I liked him, he was good. But Joshua says, no, the end product wasn't there. And I must admit, Josh is right. For the first half of this season, his end product hasn't been there. But in his last couple of games, I think he's been really impressive, hasn't he? Yeah, it's amazing what you can do with a young player when they coach properly. And, mm. I, and I truly do think that all our young players, you know, the likes of Willock, the likes of uh, Maitland-Niles, even the likes of Guendouzi, um, and we'll get onto him later, uh, went, they're, they're young players. And they need to be coached. You can't just send a young player on a football pitch and say, right, there's a ball, the the goal's over there, right, now go and score. It's, it's not going to happen and you can't do that. So I think with the working with Pep, I think is one of the best things for Arteta um, because <coughs> Arteta is, sorry, Pep Guardiola is a, a, a true coach and he, he he's the, the, the minuscule detail that he puts in Obviously, has rubbed off on Arteta, and I think that's a good thing because Arteta will bring in loads of things that he's learned from Pep, on loads of things that he's learned from Man City, and he'll bring it into Arsenal. Rightly so, and do you know what? I'm happy with that for that to happen. But the, I think it's the coaching of telling players. I mean, if you had told me two, three months ago that Socrates would be able to play right back you would have laughed at me. You would have said it's just about a centre back, let alone be able to get up and down that pitch and play right back and that is a testament to sort of, okay, he didn't have the best game at right back, but he didn't have the worst game at right back. And, you know, you could argue it was against uh, a weaker opposition in Leeds, but let's forget that in the first half, Leeds absolutely dominated us and they should, really should have been 2-0 up. But 
you know, that's football, I guess. But um, now Fifey's back. I'll ask yeah. you the question. I should uh, just Andrew. say, Carl, the reason yeah. why Fifey went, if you're not, if you're not watching this live, brought this, um, this video, you saw four seconds of Fifey just now live. He's actually been off. He's checked with the EU and we're only allowed four seconds of live Fife. And now he's back now. He's checked the regulations, <laughs> haven't you, Fife? So that's all you're getting, ladies and gentlemen. Four seconds of live Fife. Now it's just a photo. Sorry, Carl. So, Andrew, I'll ask you the question. So when... Arteta was first yeah. appointed. How did you feel to compare to how you feel now about him? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, when we when when he was first announced, I think you know a lot of people rightly had some reservations around whether. I mean, there was obviously a lot of um, gust, and then people were rightly, you know, happy about the signing. But deep down, we were still concerned that this was a guy who never doesn't have any, you know, first team management experience. And, and whilst he's worked with some fantastic managers, and he was clearly an intelligent player, I think you know he was taking over a side which needed a huge shake-up. You know, confidence was down, morale was down. There was talk that there was some anarchy within the, within the team and they were taking the piss out of Emery. So we needed someone to come in and, and a lot of people you know, were, were demanding a highly experienced manager, someone who's come into a club in crisis before, which is what we were, and, and, and come in and turn things around. And that's not necessarily what you know you anticipate from a guy in his in his 30s who's taken his first management job and and, you know he's come in and he I think from the first press conference he he acted with a a, a real dignity and and a gravitas about him and he clearly has you know he clearly has a way of words and 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 it's rubbed off on the players we're now seeing that you know the team playing with a lot more passion a lot more confidence a lot more tactical now so they're drilled um, and I think he's proven all out is wrong let's not get too overboard after four games sure um, you know, we, we played against a very bad Man United side. We, you know, we we came away uh, on a loss against Chelsea, and we were quite lucky against Leeds. But ultimately, the, the performances and the results have picked up, you know, fantastically in in what's realistically a very short period of time, and with a squad carrying, you know, a lot of injuries, as you say. Some performances against Leeds from, you know, the likes of Socrates or, or you know, against Chelsea, we saw, you know, a huge improvement in just. The pressing, you know, seeing the front four press. I don't think we've seen that since forever. I, I, don't, I don't even remember us pressing in our in, in, during our Invincibles years. So we, we're seeing the team, you know, re- really starting to come together now and uh, and show the performances that you know just been lacking. And, and I think it's uh, it's a testament to his ability and that he's been able to do this, you know, from from the outset. Definitely, I think. That- you know, we, before he just joined, we talked about the new manager bounce. That you know, when a new manager comes in, they they do something that the old manager doesn't do, and they just change things ever so slightly just to get even the players' mindset. Because players obviously are fragile people, and we, you tell them, "Oh no, just you know, you don't run forward; you just stay where you are." And you know, just little things like that can change, and it can make a, a player think, "Oh yeah, like." with something different and make them play better. And I think that's what, you know, because ultimately we still got the same players. Nothing's changed apart from how they train and how they're tactically coached. And I think Arteta coming in, and like you said, he he's he was a, a very intelligent player and he's worked with some intelligent coaches, you know, Pep, and he's worked with Arsene Wenger. Um, so he's obviously learned a hell of a lot from those two. And, Obviously, he's going to have his own style as well. And he wants to adapt that style, like Danny was saying. You know, he's the one that apparently took the train in that Man City. And, you know, Man City have been a, a very good club for a very long while, especially since Arteta's been there. So I think anything that he can come to us and do, which will improve us, which slowly but surely he's doing. Like Andrew said, we're not trying to 
you know, yes, we beat a very poor Man United side and we beat a lower league side uh, in Leeds, but, you know, you can see the signs are there for us to, we're getting better. Would you not agree, Danny? I was just getting our questions. Yes, I do agree. And it's uh, it's very important that everybody knows their role, much like the, the Rock used to say, you need to know your role and shut your mouth. And I think he's told quite a few players that you you stay there. I mean, you can understand maybe what Emery was doing by saying, I want Torreira to go upfield and break up. That's how desperate he was not to lose. I want you to go upfield and attack their defenders so that the defenders can't bring the ball out to us. That can be the only kind of logic there was behind that. Because he said, didn't he, in the press conference, Torreira is playing up there in further upfield so he can break play up further up the field. And you think, well, that's, that's madness. So it's having all the players. And we, we said, if you go back and people and listen to any of our old podcasts, as the further we were getting into this season, we're going, well, why the hell is he playing the wrong players in the wrong position? I and mean, even now, uh, as much as we love Lacazette, Lacazette shouldn't be playing. Pepe shouldn't be playing. It should be Obama Young playing up front and having maybe Nelson one side, um, Ozil playing behind him, and then somebody else. I'd like to see Mkhitaryan come back from loan because he's not doing much at, at Roma at the moment. But it's um, well, the reports you, in it, sorry, the reports in Italy are suggesting that Roma are about to offer ten million euro to Endo and bring him in permanently. You're breaking up really badly, Andrew. Your internet. Um, that well, yeah, sell him. I mean, if they not sell him to get the money, but just sell him to take off. What's that? Two hundred eighty grand a week in wages. Yeah. But I think when we sent him on loan, we were, we agreed to pay some of the wages, but. Lacazette, he's tried playing Lacazette into form and Lacazette isn't playing badly. He's working his ass off. It's just not happening for him. And how many more times can we take the risk of not scoring enough goals when you've got a goal machine sitting on the bench or playing out wide and Lacazette still isn't scoring and Pepe, we've seen what Pepe can do when he comes on as a substitute. And that's what I want to see more of. Bring Lacazette and Pepe on as and when we need them. But for now, we need goals. We need to win games and it's working, but we've won 2-0 and 1-0. I mean, against a team like Leeds, when we had almost our best team out there, we shouldn't be beating them one nil, should we? They shouldn't have run as ragged like they did in the first half. No, agreed. I think, uh, like I said, uh, in the first half, how we went into nil nil, I, I have no idea. We was in the uh, definitely the lap of the gods, uh, of luck of the gods, I should say, because you know they had, I can top of my head, two extremely good chances that they really should have finished, and, and they had fifteen on goal. I mean, fifteen at target, but not on goal though. But, you know, I mean, we're still letting, you know, Arteta's not a miracle worker. He was never going to come in and we was going to change our fortunes overnight, but he's got us playing better. But, you know, like you said, we just about beat Man United, or just about beat Leeds and we beat Man United. I just want to touch on those games quickly. Um, so the Man United game, it was, <laughs> for me, Man United is, is the old enemy. I started supporting Arsenal when Man United were the enemy. Them and Tottenham were always the ones who you wanted to beat at the end of the season. And um, beating Man United, albeit a poor Man United side, as Andrew alluded to, was um, still satisfying because who doesn't? And I think in the first half, I think that is how Arteta wants us to play for the whole game because that, for me, was one of the best halves of football I've seen Arsenal play probably in about two years I think it was uh, absolutely brilliant Andrew you was at the game how was the atmosphere at the game and how did you find the first half of the Manchester United game 
electric, uh, genuinely electric. And I think the fans, they, they rise to the players, right? That's why the, the atmosphere has been so crap lately, because there's nothing to sing about. But uh, to take your point, and I completely agree, that first half is one of the best halves of football we've seen in a long time, perhaps since we played Liverpool at home last season and, and, and for a while. But I actually think that the second half as well, whilst it's not getting much praise, it shows a real improvement in the mentality of the team and the coming together and maturity of the team that we can actually put in a really solid defensive performance against a top six rival. You know, Man United, we, we, it felt like we were first to every ball. Socrates, um, Torreira and, and, and Louise were outstanding in midfield. Xhaka was outstanding in midfield. You, you know, the, the Man United came out, they tried to pressure us, they played with more tempo and ultimately that they struggled to break us down. Even when we beat them at home last year, which was a great win, United, I think, hit the crossbar, if I remember. Uh, you know, Lukaku tore us apart uh, s- several times. But th- this game, it just felt like we absolutely dominated them from the first minute. It, it was man versus boys. You know, I've not seen that kind of performance from Xhaka in years. He he was disciplined. He was robust. And yet he was still creative. Torreira was, was you know, was coming out of play to create space for Mesut. The front four were pressing. You know, Lacazette was putting one of the best defensive performances I've seen him ever put in. Uh, it was, you know, it was just incredible to see. Um, and uh, and yet, you know, we, we start the way we did against Leeds. I think, as you said, Arteta's not a miracle worker, but you can certainly see that the, um, you know, that the, the, there's positive signs, right? But one thing I'd maybe suggest to Danny, and I kind of get your point, Danny, about Lacquer and all, but, but, but when you look at how the front four operated in that game, you, you know, they were fantastic. Pepe was menacing down the left Orber was pressing he you know or Yang's work rate and his ability to, to harry the uh, the United uh, defense you know he kept uh, Wan-Bissaka back I think Lacazette was he was dueling with Maguire and, and you know he was genuinely putting them under so much pressure which allowed Mesut to pull strings Mesut played some fantastic passes and, and we saw some you know some vintage uh, Ozil uh, in the game which again we haven't seen in in well over a year now so I think the, the signs are positive. I, I completely agree that first half was fantastic, but actually what we can take away from understanding from Arsenal, I think we learn more about them in the second half just because we're seeing them, how they react under pressure. You know, before we would have crumbled and this time we didn't. We came out as the Goliath and, and it's fantastic to see. Carl, wasn't it funny to um, see when they had when they realised they couldn't beat us? They resorting to kicking us, and when you start kicking people like Socrates, Kalasnich, um, Xhaka, and Torreira, you're not going to win that, are you? No, you can't play. Back in the day, yeah, we was a soft touch. Just face it, um, it's, we was. But so good to see. Yeah, we're a different different kettle of fish now. Like I'd love to see this team against uh, like an old Stoke team. Like to see if uh, they would react the same because I'm sure the, the, some of the results that we had uh, would be so much different. You know, there were old some Allardyce's teams um, against Bolton used to say, just go out and kick them. Like that wouldn't work with us now. Like no way because you've got players who are maybe are not so fragile and you know everyone's up for a fight. Like you can imagine this Arsenal team willing to take on anyone because we're just not scared of them which is uh, quite good but Daniel your thoughts on the uh, Manchester United game Magnificent uh, I went and you know me I like a few stats I went back and had a look and in Arteta's five seasons for us it's really only three seasons isn't it because the last two he was virtually injured for all of it 
But in his entire time at Arsenal, we never beat Man United in a, in a, in a league or cup game or anything. Got a few draws with them. And I was surprised by that because that was coming to the end of the Wenger ball era. And it was coming. Uh, and now we've got the, uh, I think, we, can we call it Arteta ball? Because it's, it was very much like watching, um, when we were watching Wenger, um, keeping possession a lot of the time. Lots of passes. And it was the first time in, I think, about 15 games where our average Opta rating was over seven. We got a, a seven. Oh, pardon me, got a 7.11, which is amazing to see. When you've got someone like Kalasnitz, who only got a 6.5, and I've just had my dinner, I had some chicken in there, it's repeating on me. Nom, nom. But Pepe was outstanding. But there is, I think it comes back to what you were saying, Carl. The players, Arteta is expecting more from the players, more um, more, more ability with the running, with the passing, with the, the team play, with the positional sense. And we, we saw that Pepe was and was magnificent that game. He got, an, he got the Opta man of the match. He got an 8.8 rate and he got a goal. He hit the bar and he still got taken off. And like you were saying, five, all, those front four all worked together. And, and then you see them against Leeds a few games. Uh, was it a, the Leeds game? It was, a, yeah, the Leeds game, which was only five days later. Now, I think five days, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't know if anyone's ever noticed, but only five days later on that, and some of, <laughs> some of those players looked absolutely knackered, didn't they? they? They just don't, they weren't ticking. And I think it comes back to what you say, Cole. They, they've got new ideas. He's asking a lot of them. It's going to take, sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not going to work. And I think as, as time goes on, we're going to see it working more often than not. And I'm actually excited and looking forward to seeing some of the big games again. I think you've got to think as well, if, if, you, if they're looking knackered on the pitch, as you say, Danny, he's got new ideas. They're, those ideas on the pitch, is a lot of it is, is high-intensity pressing, right? And if they're working on that on the pitch, you know that they're working on that on the training pitch as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're being drilled, like they've not been drilled in a long time. And I think coming back to your point earlier as well about some of the uh, the comedy we, were, you know, Arsenal were putting out only a few months ago, uh, shots and, and kind of uh, clips of them training, and, you know, there, there was times when the strikers were having to jump off space hoppers and the keepers were doing 360 spins before having to try and, you know, it was crazy. It just looked like they were on drugs. You couldn't, you genuinely couldn't make up what you were seeing on the screen under some of those, under some of those uh, training sessions. And now it just seems like we've got, you know, the, the kind of structure and, and tactical focus that we've been screaming for for years. We've not seen this since maybe 2013, 2014. Uh, without getting too carried away and, and, and assuming it's going to carry on. But, you know, you've got to think these players are just absolutely knackered. Uh, and and it's, it's crazy to think how unfit some of these guys got under, under Emery. You know, we saw Lacazette came off and, and actually Torreira was meant to come off because he got cramp. And I think that the, he was spent some, sent some special fluid on the pitch because Lacazette had cramped up since then and needed to go off. And the players are cramping up all over the place. And you're thinking, you know, this is the kind of scene you see in the 120th minute of an FA Cup final when both teams have been going at it. Not after 55 minutes, it was crazy to see. But you got to think, you know, once they once those fitness levels are up to where they're required, and, and, and we've got the requisite ability, you know, ability to play the game that Arteta clearly wants us to play. I can't see what's stopping us from getting you know, back to where we need to be. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot of fans now are, are you know, rightly jubilant and buoyant about. And we can start beating our chest again and, and, and start, you know, ex, you know, expecting a lot more from this team than what, what we've been seeing. Do you think Arteta was a bit surprised about how, how unfit we was when he first came to the squad? I mean, I'm, I'm sure he would be. You look at Man City and, and you know, they, they are, without a shadow of a doubt, 
for the athletes, right? They've got they're not just talented players, and he's he's been working with some of the most you know well drilled players in the world, but not not just because of their talent, but because of their athletic ability. So he's clearly must be coming in, and you know you wouldn't expect any team with a top four, top six ambition to be players left, right, and centre falling over because you know they've they're too unfit to carry on after sixty minutes. Is that's just not acceptable, right? Um, I'm sure he would have been shocked at, at the level that the fitness, because I think under Wenger, we were notoriously, you know, for all of Wenger's faults, even in the last couple of seasons, I think there was a few stats, mad stats, about how we, we, we won more games in the last 10 minutes than any other team, or, or we got last minute winners or draws than any other team, I think, in, in Wenger's last two seasons. So the fitness was always there under Wenger. Um, that was never a question. Whereas it's almost gone, you know, full, you know, it's done a 180 under Emery. And I, I I mean, it's. I don't think even us as fans really saw how bad it was as well until Arteta came in it and tried to bring in a different style and a different philosophy because, you know, you just wouldn't anticipate... I guess we just never ran as much or ran as hard or had as much intensity under Emery. But the way the way it's gone now and, and how visible and sh- it's, it's, it's shocking to you as a fan. So just imagine what it must be like to, uh, uh, to, to Arteta. But I guess... what. What does that really say for about our fitness and, and our and our strength and conditioning team? Because you've got the likes of O'Driscoll there, who's being linked to a big move to Liverpool. But you know these guys have these guys get paid to ensure the strength and conditioning and the fitness of the players. Now I know Emery will have his own ideas about how they should train on, you know, and, and what tactics they should be training towards. But you would have thought that within the hierarchy of the club, there would be people with you know with the clout that can stand up to the manager and say, "Listen, I don't think that the players are at the level they should be." You know. Their, their fitness levels will be monitored probably every single training session. You see them wearing the my zones. You see them wearing, you know, specialist equipment. It's kind of shocking that that the, that the team were allowed to get into the physical state that they did. A Premier League team fundamentally shouldn't be, you know, cramping after 55, 60 minutes, regardless of the style of football you try and play. And I don't think all of that should be pinned on Emery. As I say, I think some of it's been unfairly pinned on him as he's leaving the door now or after he's left, but actually there are people in the club who, who probably should have stood up and made themselves counted who, who were the real experts in this field, which Emery wasn't, right? So I played devil's advocate. So imagine, do you think that we concentrate less on fitness and more on tactics because of how bad our results were? So imagine like you were dedicated, I don't know, a Monday training session, all to fitness, all fitness, nothing but fitness. But because we wasn't performing so well, MA then said, nope, I need to work on tactics rather than, you know, dedicate a whole training session to fitness. You know, that you, whereas I understand what you're saying, and I truly, truly do, Andrew, I, I think that, you know, you don't know what happens behind closed doors. And I think that's a possibility because MA was sort of person where at the end he was very desperate. And he was doing some crazy, crazy things. And, you know, that just, again, no one knows, unless you're in that training ground, no one knows. But you can see that Emery doing something like that, like a training session that's meant to be fitness, saying, nope, I'm going to work on tactics. Don't you think that's a possibility? I definitely think that it's a credible assumption. And and the reason I say that is because if you look at us, we were so tactically poor you know, as you say, right, you say we were probably focusing on tactics, which I don't disagree with. And I've made the point that actually, as I said earlier, you look at some of the training sessions we had, you're right, he was trying to coach tactics into them. But it just looked like this absolute whirlwind of madness. 
you know, as I said, there was literally in one, there was space hop. We've seen some of the craziest things you could imagine. You know, some of these training sessions look like I'd created a sketch, a comedy sketch whilst on LSD. It was mad. Let's, let's not, let's not forget that. Right. And so you're probably right. It probably was, they were focusing too much on tactics. It was just a case of they were focusing on the wrong stuff. So actually we were going into games and we weren't tactically well drilled at all. We had, you know, very little few tactics apart from get the ball to class and action, hope he can get a, a good ball over. Um, and, and because of that, our fitness just wasn't there as well, which I think, you know, you, you make a fair point, Carl. How about you, Danny? What do you think? Uh, sorry about that. I was just Googling Arsenal training space office and I couldn't find any. I thought that would be brilliant if we could call the <laughs> podcast this. I was also, uh, while you two were, were talking wonderfully, I was looking at when Darren Burgess left. He left in... Uh, June this no June last year June 2019 he left and he's been the, f- the fitness coach and he'd been there for two years so maybe his contract ran out but they were doing lots of I don't know if it's Emery doing it moving around the back room staff because Stephen Morrow went and I think one other person went or, or as as well and like you're saying sh- um, there's Shad Forsyth he's still there but there was talk of he was going to let go and I read that thing about the bloke going to Liverpool as well because. Um, Kloppo does want all the best people in all the best departments there. Didn't he get someone who in who had who was a, a sports person but had nothing to do with football and he adapted his skills to and changed it to football? Um, it might have been a stamina. I'm thinking maybe a swimmer or a diver or something like that. I know the divers are usually safe for training at Spurs, but yeah, I agree with everything you said. It's uh, it's really important. There was definitely um a change going on there. And maybe it's when um, when Darren Burgess left the club, that's when things did go downhill. But I, I don't know which one of you two said it, but uh, Arteta was, was at Arsenal for five years. He came in uh, when, when things were slacking a little bit, still managed to win a couple of FA Cups. And for him to just be gone, was he gone for two years, two and a half, three years? No, two and a half years. The amount of difference, I think as you said, Fife, the amount of difference, the, the fitness of the players in that two and a half years, how much it has dropped. He must have thought, what the hell's going on here? How has this been allowed to happen? How have you gone from one of the fittest um, teams in the Premier League with, with, with breaking records at number of passes and possession and all this other stuff that, although things had gone wrong under Wenger, they were still running their asses off and still running for 90 minutes and doing all that wonderful stuff that, that Wenger ball became famous for and hopefully Arteta ball, which no doubt people will start using soon when this starts to work out. And we're going to get it all with him. Yeah, it's just so many positive things are coming from the club now. And one other thing I was thinking about, Carl, is when players are coming out in the media saying, we don't understand what Emery wants from us or what he is saying. you got to think, whoever hired him, was it Raul, you know, Jason's favourite? Was it Raul Sanielli that hired him? Or was it the the, uh, the three amigos, Raul, Edu, and uh, the bloke whose name begins with a V? Vinay. Yeah, that's it. I wasn't going to try and say because so I'll get it wrong. Um, or Raul's surname. Uh, yeah, so wasn't it those three that wh- whoever hired him has a lot to answer on? They're lucky. If they, any of those three were involved in hiring Emery, he managed to get in with, I don't know what he told them, but it's obviously all nonsense because Arteta was all, almost ready to sign as manager in the summer of 2018, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, but do you think that that extra little time with Pep maybe had approved him? I mean... Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, we don't know... Yeah if he had come in, because he would have just spent what, that would have been what a season and a half with Pep. If he had come in that summer with, um, that Emre came in. So I don't know whether he would be the same person that he is now. I mean, we don't know in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, but I think the extra time. In the summer of 2016. 
I still think, yeah, I still think the extra time with Guardiola in that Manchester City setup has definitely helped him. Um, so, sorry to come back. I was going to say, Zanny, just before we jump off the subject, in terms of coaching, if you guys want to listen and the listeners want to listen, and I'm afraid it's uh, it's putting a nod to, to the other sport, but actually we used to have a fitness coach, a strength and conditioning coach in our youth team called Jerry Flannery who was a, a famous Irish rugby player. Now, he's done a, a podcast all about his time at Arsenal um, for, for a, famous, uh, a famous rugby podcast called Off the Ball. So if you Google Jerry Flannery interview, you can hear about you know, him talking about his time, um, strength and conditioning with, with the likes of Wilshere or Wobie coming through the youth team. You know, he, he talks about how some of the players are trying to put white bread with, with butter on their t- plate and they're telling them to get the shit off. And, and just some of the some of the talk he's got on Wenger as well and, and, how, and Wenger's training methods and the fitness that and the focus on fitness that Wenger had. So that's Jerry Flannery, um, former Irish rugby player and yeah, and an Arsenal youth coach. So uh, or strength and conditioning coach. But yeah, very, very interesting listen and, and I'd highly recommend just obviously skip past all the nonsense about that um Puffter sport and, and and you're golden. Well, they've done on YouTube, they've done a 10 minute. It was it about 10 minutes because they've got their podcast on YouTube with just 10 minutes of it. So uh, maybe, that, maybe that's just a snippet, but the actual pod itself is, yeah. is probably about an hour of which about 25, 30 is dedicated to Arsenal. And there's I'm some sure. brilliant, brilliant anecdotes about you know, a young Jack Wilshire and, 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 you know, fallouts with some people on the training ground. I think there was talk about how Jens Lehmann nearly took Jerry's Flannery's tooth out in a in a tackle gone wrong, and yeah, it, it's a fantastic read, but a fantastic listen. But if you, if you are or or, the, or or our dear listeners are interested more uh, hear more about strength and conditioning at Arsenal, I would I'd certainly recommend it. I'll go and put it in the YouTube notes and the rest of them if I remember. That sounds uh, interesting. Um, I just want to talk about some of the players that we have uh, in the press. There's been reports of, you know, the likes of Aubameyang leaving, Ozil leaving, Xhaka leaving. So, Danny, just want to stick with you. Do you foresee, we'll talk about incomings later, but do you foresee anyone leaving Arsenal this transfer window? If you'd asked me that a month ago, I'd have said all of those and maybe add Lacazette to that because these players are... Uh, Young's 30 31. Lacazette is in the prime of his career. What is he about 26? We should we always do this, don't we? Because it changes every year, it's really hard. I'm just gonna look at it. Obama Young is 30 and Lacazette is 28. So that old adage of uh, or adage of uh, they got one more move, one more big payday. The, the poor buggers are only on 200 grand a week, whatever is the one more payday to make ends meet. So they'll be looking for that. Both of them uh, would love to play in Spain. Just imagine either of those two. I think it was uh, Real Madrid wanted both of them or Barcelona wanted because they're looking at moving on Suarez, aren't they? They need someone now that Real Madrid don't have Ronaldo and Hijuan, as, as Gaffey loves to call him, um, isn't exactly a goal machine. They need someone who, if either of those two played for Real Madrid, they'd get 50 goals a season in all competitions easily. They would be absolutely brilliant. Plus, you wouldn't have to put up with the, with the, the English weather. And so I wouldn't have, wouldn't have um, been surprised if not necessarily they'd have moved in, this, in the January window, but they wouldn't have signed a new contract. And we've had far too many players leave by not signing new contracts. And Xhaka, Emery made Xhaka the scapegoat by taking the captaincy off of him. And uh, Ozil was just not happy for the entire time that um, that Emery was manager. You could just tell straight away. One of the first things he did when he came in was he dropped Ramsey and Ozil. And how the hell we meant to go? We managed to go on a 22-game 
oh, I was hoping you're going to take a mouthful of drink there. And I was going to say, that's me done. And hope you spit your drink all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so now I don't think any of them are going to go because um, you've, you've seen a difference in Ozil's body language when he plays, haven't you? I mean, the Leeds game, not a good example, but the Leeds game doesn't matter. It's the game like the Man United game. And the, we were unlucky with the Chelsea game. Things were just clicking then. But you, like you were saying, Fife, you look at Ozil in that Man United game, he was so up for it. He was running everywhere. It was, so, it was like the Ozil of old. And so I don't think any of them are going to want to go anywhere. I think having a manager like Arteta has made them go, oh, this, this club could go somewhere. We can still do stuff this season. We've still got a, a decent chance of making the top four. We've got a good run in the FA Cup because we've got Bournemouth next. And we can still probably do something in Europa League because if all he gets all these players ticking, if they play like they did against Man United for the rest of the season, none of them are going to want to go. Well, it was quite telling the uh, the interview David Luiz and Socrates gave after the Man United game when they both looked like they'd been on a couple of doobies, right? Luiz, I think, he, you know, he, he quite clearly, you know, without pointing the finger at Emery, which was interesting because, you know, one of the big draws to Arsenal was Emery for Luiz. They'd, they'd, you know, notoriously worked together at PSG. And whilst the PSG team were, were kind of rioting towards and after that 6-1 loss to Barcelona at the end of Emery's tenure there, Louise was one of the players who stood by um, Emery for, for his time there. Um, but he kind of came out and said, listen, the fun's back at Arsenal. We're, we, we know what we're meant to be doing and we, and we want to be playing. But he crucially said that actually, and this is a guy, you know, he's won the Champions League. He's won several Premier Leagues. Um, you know, he's, he, he's an international, you know, regular. And he said, Arteta is the kind of manager who can improve every single one of the players in this squad. Um, which I think is telling, right? The, the fact that they, you know, those players didn't feel that under Emery clearly, and and none of them were regressive. But they, they can see a young, hungry manager who, who who's clearly a, a football intellect, and and if they think they're going to improve him them as players, you know, it's worth them staying for another six months. I don't think that they any of those players were in a were in a good position to leave this January. I think one thing that has gone unnoticed or gone under the radar is is criticism of the players. I don't think that they particularly helped themselves in, in this situation as well. You know, we're hearing some of the top players mocking Emery's accent um, around the training ground, getting up to all sorts of shenanigans on their social media, liking all sorts of posts they shouldn't and hanging out with some bad types who they shouldn't. Um, but, but, you know, realistically, I think a lot of them now, you know, the, these guys are wise. They see a manager who can come in and, you know, and, and make them better players. Give it five Give it six months, you know. Potentially, we'll get top four. I'm not sure we will, but if we don't, they they've probably got a better sell-on value, and they're probably going to make more money at whoever they go to next season if they, they put in a hell of a half of a season before. And also, there's a big competition coming up this summer, right? And and players historically don't like moving in 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 the windows, but in the in the January windows before big uh, uh, international competitions because it's not good for their not good for them. They they want solidarity. They want to be playing regularly. They want regular football. And I think a lot of them are looking at Emery and said, actually, I feel like I might get this. Someone like Lacazette, he's not been in the French squad at all over the years. If he gets regular first in football at Arsenal now for five months, gets himself good goals. He's got he puts himself in contention. Does he get that if he goes to Atletico Madrid now? I'm not so sure. I think it's a step that it's too much of a risk. And actually, the, there's an upwards trajectory there that, that Arteta has brought. And, and some of them would be mad to leave. Do you think any of them will extend their contracts? Because I'm sure Aubameyang and also Lacazette only have, what, 18 months left on their contract, I want to say. Uh, I'm sure Danny can get me the uh, actual dates their contracts run out. But I know their contracts run out soon. Hmm. Do you think, because the good times kind of now 
I say the good times back at Arsenal. We, we we're clutching at straws because it's only been like a couple, a few games. So I'm not going to say the good times are back at Arsenal because uh, until the end of the season, I guess we'll never know. But can you foresee them extending their contracts? I mean, it's mental that we've got to groundhog day. We, you know, we're 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 approach ten years after the summer that Fabregas and Nasri both left. We've now got ourselves, you know, three years after our, um, Sanchez and Mesut were were both running their contracts down. We've now got to a point where our top two centre forwards have a year left on their contract, so they're they're going to be ripe pickings. Realistically, you know, is Arteta enough of a draw for them to stay? I'm not sure. I probably don't think so, and and that's no disrespect to Arteta. We've seen you know better players than Aubameyang and Lacazette, you know, leave Arsenal because at the end of their contract and, and not necessarily a dig at Arteta, but, you know, they probably look at Arsenal and think, actually, I'm now at a stage where, as Danny says, I've got one more one more big contract in me, or Bormiang is going to, you know, you know, he's the wrong side of 30 now. If he can go to Man City or Barcelona or Real Madrid in the summer and, and, and add another uh, add another 100 grand onto his weekly salary, then he's probably going to do it. And, and and there's not much we can do about that, um, e- even if Arteta is, is a great manager and, and he's a great draw, I guess, at this stage of Aubameyang's career, he he's not as worried about you know the long term. He's more worried about what he can achieve in the short term. He's not really won any major trophies in his career, and so he probably wants to bridge that. and And I guess the same with Lacazette. I'll be interested to see who actually does come in from in the summer. I don't think he's um, you know he's not been fantastic over the last season or so, uh, especially away from home. Um, but then I th- I think some of the younger players are more likely to say now the likes of Torreira who. You know, we all know was kind of, um, you know, even Emery made it public that Torreira, you know, wasn't wasn't a fan of him, and we and we saw his uh, agent doing his weekly link to Napoli. So, you know, I think that those kind of guys will stay. We might see, you know, a real change in the mindset of Xhaka, who quite clearly wanted to leave, um, and and it might prevent some of the, our youngsters from from turning their head. But you know, will will Arteta manage to keep Lacquer and Albrecht at the club? You know, I'm not sure. We we've seen, as I say, the likes of Van Persie, Fabregas, Nasri, Adebayor, Torre. Over the years, the players, you know, players have shown that they're humans, and ultimately, if they get an offer from a bigger, better club, more money, more likely to ch- bigger chance to win prizes and money, then I think they're going to go for it. Um, you know, and, and we can't blame them too much for that, right? You'd do exactly the same if uh, if Crossrail came in for you, for example, and offered you more money for an easier life. I guess, but but yeah, I guess you get the point, right? Um, I, I think there'll be some players who pragmatically will stay in the long term because it, it'll be best for them and they can see where we're going. But, you know, a bit like Sanchez, um, I think he just sees the money and, and at the time probably thought United were in a better position than us to win things. Obviously wrong, but I think yeah. I think that'll be all Bormiang's mindset. Personally, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Um, but I'd be shocked if he's, if he's in, at the team next season. So, Danny, Andrew touched on it. How have we got ourselves into this uh, situation once again, where in next year we have Ozil, David Luiz, which I can understand, he only signed a, a, a small contract, uh, Mustafi and Socrates, all ready to leave. Now, uh, you can you can kind of say that, okay, maybe David Luiz, is, we didn't buy him for the resale value. I get that. Uh, Mesut Ozil, I guess, I can't see him signing another contract to Arsenal, especially on the wages that he's on. No way. Um, Socrates, you 
probably look to say that maybe William uh, Saliba is his replacement. So you can understand if we let him go in the end of summer. But how is it that we've got all our top players running down their contracts? Now, how does this happen to us once again? Uh, uh, ineptitude. That's the word I was looking for. My my ability to find words, uh, much like their ability to get people to sign to contracts. A player is only going to sign a contract if they're happy. Um, players, not necessarily their players, is it? You've seen that Man United have had a massive falling out. Is it Raiola? Um, the agent of yeah, uh, who, yeah. who's, recently, who's recently come out and said, uh, I'm not sending any of my, my players to Man United. Man United ruins players, or something along those lines. A magnificent podcast called The Transfer Market Podcast. It's got a couple of the, the, the Scottish journalists doing it. It's really, really good. I mean, sometimes their audio isn't everything it could be, but um, I did. DM him and uh, he did. I can't remember what he said. Anyway, so we've got all these players doing it. If you keep the players happy, then they're going to stay. Not they don't necessarily have to give them massive pay wages because pay wages, pay rises or wages because Urzel's on a massive amount of money as it is. And I'm just looking. Urzel has already played. Uh, oh, I went back 246 games for Arsenal. I mean, you know, think that without looking at it, the number of players that, that, we, we, that we love at Arsenal that have not played anywhere near that number of games. And then we've got other players at the club like Bellerin, 188, Xhaka, 152. Mustafi is our fourth highest place, um, player with 125 games. And you it's can't just even get rid of the fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone's put a, a question up later about that. So it's just there's so much disorganization and at times I don't think people know whose job is doing what we knew under Wenger Wenger was in charge of everything be it from buying players scouting players doing the contracts picking the cutlery for the Emirates picking what color the toilet seat should be at the Emirates and we've got now we've got someone who's a head coach I think you need something of a little bit of both we can't have an authoritarian like you do with 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 Wenger where he did absolutely everything was down to him that's too much so as we saw in his later years there's just too many pies that he's got to keep his fingers in and it's becoming really hard but so and I also think that from what little we know about what um the daddy Cronky does he doesn't seem to be overly, we could be completely wrong, but what he can see, he doesn't seem to be involved in the day-to-day run. If, if either of us three owned the club, we would be there. I'd bring my bed there. I'd sleep at the club. I'd have my, my beady little fat sausage fingers in every single pie, and I'd be talking to everybody. I'd, you'd have people walking out because I'd be sticking my nose in everything, but I'd want to know what's going on at every aspect of the club, much like Wenger did, and I don't think that that's there at the moment. And Wenger later came out, didn't he, especially after the Gilberto thing where he said players, once they reach 30, only get one year contracts i think he's since said that was a mistake to do that because so many of these players ended up leaving and going off and doing great stuff with other clubs perez Burkamp all probably left early too early than they should yeah i mean at but, the last game at highbury we were all charting to um to um was it perez one more year one more yeah, year yeah. he ended up going to villarreal and doing brilliant there for until, until he got injured was it villarreal he went to it was yeah, yeah. He, he got injured yeah. and then he came back and, yeah. and did well i went to villa didn't he yeah, afterwards. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's another one. Like when Edu went to Spain, it didn't work. He got injured straight away. It didn't work out for him. And the worst one was Gilberto. Still, I think he's still playing for Brazil when he, he left us on a free, went to Olympiacos or Panathinaikos, one of those two, and ended up going there and winning titles. And we remember looking at him going, how the hell are these players? I mean, look what, look what um, Santi's doing at the moment. We pay his wages for two years. He's a bloke nearly loses a leg for Arsenal. And then we let him go. And he manages to not only get back in the Spanish team, scoring for the Spanish national team and being adored by the Spanish public, as far as I can tell, which is very little. 
Yeah, I, think. I mean, that, that back and then sort of that Gilberto one was crazy. We let Gilberto go. And then I think within the space of a, of a few months, Lasana Diara had left. Um, we had, uh, what was it, Denilson then became our holding midfielder. Oh, God. Flamini, Flamini had just recently gone to AC Milan. It's like we just lost about four or five holding midfielders. And frankly, we were able to convert Song from a centre-back to, to, to holding midfield. And he, and he kind of did all right for a while. But, I mean, that, that, that 30 policy was mad. But, you know, looking at Aubameyang now... I think some of this, listen, let's not point fingers at, at Wenger and the old regime too much, but clearly, you know, in that, in that last January that Wenger had, it was chaos trying to sort out um, Mezit, Alexis, bringing in the likes of Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang. And we probably gave Aubameyang a, a huge contract with a three and a half year period because it's all we could do at the time. We were so desperate and so low and the, the club probably hoped that with a new manager, we were going to push on and, and kind of all this madness would be behind us with the, and, and, you know, that kind of triumvirate structure, which, you know, Gazidis left within four months. And then I think Mislintat was out the door only five or six later. So that never really worked out the way it should. And probably why Josh Kroenke stepped up to the plate a little bit more. And, and we've seen like Vinay coming in and, 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 and uh, Hugh Fuse on contracts. But, but in general, you know, the, we're still marred by a lot of the old uh, old mistakes that we made and, and Mezzet being on 350 grand. You can see the hierarchy at the top of the club. We're clearly pushing Emery to not play him because of that and, and trying to force him out the door somewhat over the last couple of years. And there has been a lot of mistakes made over the years, which I think we're, we're still paying for. You know, I genuinely still think that sometimes we're still paying a little bit for that 2015 summer just because it meant we went and overspent on Xhaka and Mustafi. A couple of years later, and you know we, we can't get Mustafi off the books. You know we spent thirty five million on on a very average centre back, and so you, you just got to hope with, with someone like Arteta. You know he's young, he's hungry, he's he's at the the, the very start of his um, you know the very start of his management career, and hopefully he's going to have more of a long term vision and a long term focus. And you know he's going to want to you know bring in younger players that to, to, you know that will grow into his system to almost like Klopp did. Klopp had to completely rebuild that team from scratch, um, as opposed to just bringing in big you know mega names or mega money who who are likely to have egos and an entourage that follow with them that are, that are bad you know bad for them. So I think Arteta puts us in a much better position in in that sense, just because I think he you know matches. He has that. He, he's almost the young Wenger, right? He's coming in with with a with a with a fresh slate and, and, and fresh canvas and fresh ideas. And what, so maybe we'll move away. The time, Andrew. Sorry, you're saying that he's you know he's, he has to do what Klopp did. Klopp was given what three years. Do you think Arsenal fans uh, we want instant success? You know, um, I and- think we want instant improvement, but. I think just like just like Liverpool, you know, there was there was a handful of idiots at Liverpool who were calling for Klopp to leave after the first season or two. Um, but I think Arteta has a lot of capital in the bank. We're fans, you know, former captain of the club, took a pay cut to come. You know, we all know the story about Arteta, right? He's a fantastic player, maybe perhaps understated, real intelligent player. He's coming in. At a time when we're so low and expectations are so low, any improvement is going to be, you know, taken well with the fans. I don't think it's in the club's interest to want to look to to, to change him in under three years, unless it's like another happens. You know, financially the club is still paying. Well, they only just stopped paying Wenger's salary until recently. They've now got to pay Emery and his entourage's salary for for you know for another year or so. 
So I, I, I don't think that the club will be in a position to be wanting to move Arteta on. I'm, I'm sure he's on no way near what Wenger was on by the end, but it's just money. The, the club doesn't want to be, you know, having to pay off managers all the time in this cycle. They they want the stability. The same as fans. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd muted it. I'm telling Sean how long we got left to go. And, I'm, and I swore, very sorry, dear listener. Go on, Carl. Weirdo. Right, so quickly, it's a question to both of you. And I don't want a Chris Carpenter answer. I want a normal answer. Um, so at the moment, Arteta's got us playing kind of reasonably well. Um, what do you think are the expect? Well, what are your expectations and um, to where we think we'll finish? And what do you see us? Where do you see us being at the end of the season? So, Danny, first, like, what are your expectations, and where do you think we'll be at the end of the season? Do you think we will have a trophy? Do you think we'll be in the top four? Do you think we'll be outside? What do you think? The the, the way we um the way we, yeah I've got a little thing you can see on the my 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 microphone there. There's a little red light. I hadn't pressed it properly when I said to Sean. I think we've got about fucking 20 minutes to go. <laughs> Something like that. I'm very sorry, people. Um, yes, it's... Uh, I think if we, we can play, we are getting better and better. Back-to-back clean sheets, back-to-back wins. And some of the players coming back from injury, it's going to be important that we get a... We've got to get a right-back if it's on loan or whatever it is. It's got to be someone because uh, poor old Ashley can't be relied on to play right-back in time. Bless you, um, because he, although he's doing a good job and he's getting better at it, and hopefully he he could become. I mean, like Ashley Cole, he was a striker when he was a young kid, and then uh, he ended up playing left back, and then he didn't have a too bad a career, did he? So I would say that top six definitely. If we get Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, Spurs, if if one of the two of those can meet each other and we can avoid them on the way to the FA Cup final, we could make it to the semi-final, make it to the final. I don't I'd rather get knocked out in the next round against Bournemouth than play Liverpool in the in the FA Cup final because they are just they're unstoppable at the moment. Um the Europa League, we have got uh, Olympiacos, is it? We've got them next. Um they're not a bad team. They're about Five, last time I looked, five or six points clear at the top of the, the Greek Super. I think it's the Super League. So um, that's going to be a tough game. But we're just the team is full of confidence. And when a team is full of confidence and you have got most of your attacking players, because you can you can go and substitute one defender for another and you're going to be okay. If Aubameyang uh, is injured or Lacazette isn't, isn't, is injured, then who are you going to bring in? You can't bring in kids to do that job because they're not going to be able to do it. So... Yeah, I, th- I think we're going to be. I can just say before you go on that, Carl. You know, you were saying about Klopp when he first started at Liverpool, October two thousand and fifteen, eighth in his first season, fourth in the next, fourth in the next, and second last season. And every time in the FA Cup, he's got um, fourth round, fourth round, fourth round, third round. So there you go. Yeah, but he really won Champions time. League with them, so you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> Andrew, what do you, what are your um, expectations, and where do you think we'll end up? I think. Looking at it now, realistically, if we finish top six and we beat Liverpool at home and, and stop them from going unbeaten, that would be a fantastic turnaround from from Arteta. Not least because you know top six is is a, is a fairly credible finish. But if you look at the trajectory on where we were heading before he came in, you know, not only has he had to to start winning, but he had to like plug the rot. Um, and so for me, that would be a fantastic season and somewhere where we can build from next year. And I think, you know, as Danny says, perhaps a, a, a cup run in the FA Cup until I, I wouldn't write off this team as well with the ability to win the FA Cup. You know, there's certainly players who, who are good enough on their day 
to, to win uh, to win something. We, you know, no one expected us to beat Man City in that semi final, and damn, we weren't going to beat Chelsea in that FA Cup final, uh, and, and we did it. So we have the quality there to do it. But yeah, top six beat Liverpool, and I'll be a very happy man. Yes, definitely. Um, right, I am going to hand over to Mr. Sweetman because we have some listeners' questions. Did uh, my first listeners' question? Did you answer your own question there, Carl? Because I'd be interested to know, as the host, what you uh, what you thought about your own question. Okay, um, I think that we'll end up in the top six. I, I think top four is definitely uh, a, a reach too far. I just don't think that we'll get there unfortunately and it would be nice if we did but I just can't see us getting in the top four of this season and to be honest I don't think I really want it because I don't think we're ready to be in the Champions League I, I just think we just embarrass ourselves in the Champions League so yeah top six I mean I'd love it if we was in top four but top six and like you I think I, I think would be I think if we avoid Liverpool or Chelsea Sorry, if we were with Liverpool or Man City, I think we've got a good chance. Um, uh, Chelsea, I think we was very unlucky to lose a game uh, at the Emirates. And I think if we played them again, I think we'd beat them. I genuinely really do think we'd beat them. I think we're better than them. So, um, yeah, the only two teams I really want to avoid is Liverpool or Man City. Anyone else, I think we could possibly go on and do uh, a nice little cup run. And I think we actually need it. I think we do actually really need a little cup run. Uh, in Europa League, I think there's probably a few teams that are a bit better than us. The ones so, that down from the Champions League. Yeah, I think there's, Inter Milan, in there's just a few that... Um, you say AC Milan? Inter Milan, I think. Oh, I think Inter in it, yeah. Inter, I must uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I think uh, we could possibly have a, a nice little Europa run and, and I'd love if we did, but... Mm, I'd settle for a top six and uh, an FA Cup. Jolly good. Okay. Right. Fifey, before we get going, um, do you want me to send you the Fife's Forum as it's named after you? I can send them to you via Twitter DM. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Well, when Carl's answering this first question, I'll then go and uh, I'll, I'll send them to you because we can't use them inside this program. All right, Carl. Michael Harniman friend of the show says out of the players on loan who if any do you think could still have a future at the club so uh, the players we have on loan Jordi Ossay Tutu at Bookham in Germany second division Daniel Ballard at Swindon Ben Sheaf at Doncaster Rovers Dijan Ilyev our goalkeeper at some unpronounceable team in Macedonia William Saliba at Saint-Étienne Mohamed Elneny at Besiktas and Henrik Mkhitaryan at Roma well, I can't say for the youth team player because I don't know enough about them, to be honest. Uh, William Saliba will play for us next season. That's about a shadow of a doubt. Um, I believe he just come back from injury. Um, so, And before he went injured, he was um, quite good in the um, in the feeder league. So, Farmers League. Sorry, Farmers <laughs> League. Um Mkhitaryan, I don't think he'll come back. I just think we need to get players off the wage bills. I think uh, he is someone who's on about 180 or something like that, uh, if not a bit more, because he's a Royola man. So I just <laughs> can't see us keeping him. And also, um, uh, El Nene, I, I think the, I think we really wanted to get rid of him because I don't think he was going to come back into the squad. So I think when he comes back to England, we'll just be looking for him to move on. So I think out of all of those people, I think um, 
Saliba is probably the only person that I can see us playing, see playing for us next season. I agree with that. 110% because it's football. I've added the extra 10%. Uh, right, Fifey, did you have a look at the Twitter DMs? Are they all there? Thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. So uh, after, when I finish the questions, I'll go to you and you can read those. Uh, we leave all this in because they love it when they see behind the scenes stuff. Plus it's video and we can't edit it. Don't have the skills. All right, question for you from Luca. It's a two-parter. First part, long-time listener, you can tell. Should we shoot more? Brilliant, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should, should we play with a goalkeeper? Uh, right, and he also says, uh, if our first targets aren't available in January, would you go for other players now or wait until the summer to get their to- the top targets? Generally, what do you think is the club's transfer strategy for January? Good question. Yes, yeah, so I, I don't think that the, the club will want to invest too heavily in players who they don't feel will be right for the long-term strategy. I think the club now will try to, you know, I think after the, you know, the, the, the groundhog that left us in, they'll, they'll be very, um, very careful with the cash. I don't think that they're spending a lot of money on, on, on the wrong players. You know, uh, we already have two or three centre-backs, the wrong side of 30. We have centre-backs on the books who we can't shift. Does Boateng really fit that mould of what we need? A guy who, you know, he's only averaging 25 games a season or something like that these days. He's not been very good for a few years now. I'd be shocked. I, I think the club would be more likely to go out there and want to bring players in on loan like they did last um, last January, buying the wrong player, if it were. That's not to say that we we won't spend money if the right player comes along. We've, we've definitely done it in January before. Some of our best purchases have come in January. But it, it would feel like we're going backwards if we start, you know, spending... 15 million here and 15 million there on, on, on you know, the, the C or the D option. I think, as we said earlier, it's the kind of window before a big international, it's the window before a big international tournament when when the top players don't really make themselves or become available unless, you know, there's, you know, some kind of compelling reason like we had before Bormian a couple of years ago where he fell up, fallen out of everyone at Dortmund. I'd, I'd be shocked if we try and just, you know, spend, spend unwisely. Okay, lovely. Right, uh, here we go. One for you, Carl, from Azid. I'm not going to do the Akib thing because uh, uh, that's special for Akib. Although you have lots of ease in it. So, do you think Matteo Gondizzi will improve or did our fan base overhype him like we did with Iwobi, Smith Rowe, I think, Zelalem and Crowley? And in brackets, he's apologised to me for saying Super Super Dan Crowley, future England legend. It's been a while since I've said that. Um. Number one, you haven't overhyped Emil Smith Road. The guy is going to be a world beater. Stop that nonsense. And I have a real love hate relationship with Guendouzi because, as much as I think he's a very good player, I don't see what he brings to Arsenal. He doesn't have any assists, he doesn't score goals, he runs around like a headless chicken, he makes stupid tackles, he can't header a ball. But at the same time, you give him the ball and he drives forwards and he gets our play going. So I want, and then I'm, I'm thinking he's young. He can be molded, especially someone like Arteta. Arteta can make him good, but I, I, I'm not saying he's a bad player because he's not. Uh, he, um, Guendouzi is not a bad player. I just don't know what his role is. Is he a box to box? Is he a deep line playmaker? Is he a defensive midfielder? I think he knows. 
I don't we I don't think under um Emre he was given a natural position. I just you know, I just think he was just told to play in midfield. Um I think once he nails down a position or once he nails down what he is there to do, you know, uh, no one knows, and that's the thing. Uh, I think he'll be a better player. I do, um, do not want to get rid of him. He needs to stay. I just think that he's and he's what, 19, 20 years old. So yeah. He's 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 young. He's he's a child, and he will get better. Hundred percent. I just think with the right coaching, he he will definitely cement a place down. I just want to see what that place is and what his role in the team is. Is you know he's never going to score uh, loads of goals from midfield. He might do. He might change. You never know. Um, if he is a box to box, or okay, let's mould him to that. Is he a deep line playmaker? Let's okay, let's mould him into that. I just want to see him cement down a place, and that's what I want with uh, Guendouzi. Good point about his age. He's only 20, and he's played 73 games for Arsenal already. How many players can say they've played for 73 games for Arsenal by the age of 20? That's uh, Yeah, but he's got. we like him. We want it to work out for him. So, uh, yeah, good point. Right. Uh, oh, historical one here for you. Mr. Five, are you ready? I am. Jolly good. From Jim Housen, who made his ABW debut midweek. And he's not a, a, a Northern Leeds supporting monkey like uh, Josh said he is. I forgot to tell Josh that he was actually in Yorkshire. And uh, Josh was mean to the people from Yorkshire. He says, considering Herbert Chapman's many achievements for Arsenal and other clubs, why is he not spoke on as, as often as the all-time greats like Shankly and Fergie? Oh, I guess he's just too... Um, living memory, right? He's, uh, we'll say a lot that of he broke up. Foot- Sorry, I was going to say he, he's he's he is too far gone from memory of journalists and fans today to to the point where I just don't think that they recognise you know football pre 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 the World War Two. To be honest, um, it's I think it's more that than, than anything. People, you know, there's still a lot of journalists in their fifties and sixties and seventies who grow up watching, you know, the great Liverpool teams and and the great Man United teams. You know, as as now we're more stable beginning in in Sky Sports than we are the history of football. I just think it's just the way of the world. It's why people don't talk about great poets and authors from from the past or we're obsessed with modern pop culture that you know why would they why would they um talk about uh, chapman and his achievements like they do in Wenger and Mourinho? and also unlike liverpool fans we don't cry about our past every five minutes and talk about our achievements back in the, the back in the day I had um, some young bloke who come to do some work in my house and he's a Leicester fan. And I said, oh, I hope Liverpool don't win the league. He says, why? I said, well, you weren't even alive the last time Liverpool won the league and they haven't shut up about all the stuff they won uh, before that. They are the most unbearable team that are, that are ever going to win the league because Spurs are never going to win it. They're the most unbearable. So that's never going to happen. But Liverpool are just the absolute worst. Fifey, are you watching some kind of dodgy stream because your internet keeps going wobbly because you're on that dreaded Wi-Fi? He's looking at the New York Stock Exchange. What's wrong with you? Leave him alone. Oh, and I, yeah, I, I referred to him as bin dippers, and he didn't know why I called them bin dippers. So there you right. go. So, yes. Right. Next question for Carl from Matt L. Roberts. In your own in your own opinion and words, what is the priorities in all competitions we play with Arteta in charge? 
So if you just put them in um, in order that you would uh, like to see them win, I suppose, as in uh, league position and then the other two cups. So I would want us to finish as high up at the table as humanly possible because, as always, the league is bread and butter. Uh, I would like us to try to win the Europa uh, and then, obviously, the FA Cup. Jolly good. Um, right, next one for you, Mr. Fife is from the normal Gooner. I'm not sure how you're going to answer this because I wouldn't know. He says, if Xhaka leaves, who who's an ideal replacement? Same goes for Mustafi. A bag of potatoes is not a realistic answer for the Mustafi part. So I think he's ruined part of your answer there. Have you got any answers at all? Because I wouldn't know. I've given up trying to predict who would be good. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a t- as we said, you know, there, there's, there's plenty of great, um, you know, creative midfielders in the game. Uh, at the minute, I, I know. Obviously, if you look at look into the Italian league, Inter seem to be snapping them all up with Barella and Sensi in the summer and whatnot. But it's just a case of who's realistically available. Who would you buy this summer? Who who would want to come? Or who? So who would you buy in January? Who who would want to come now? It's I, I just can't see as making an improvement on Jacka as it is this this window. I think I agree with that. I'd go all out to make sure he stays because we're seeing on his day, which is quite often, he's brilliant. He's not he's not um, Edu or Vieira levels, but I still think he's a bloody damn good player. And he's also someone you're not going to mess with in the middle of the pitch. He's going to take you home in pieces. Question for you, Carl, from Dat, who is in, uh, who we call Data, Data Lack, Data Lack LBC. I'm going to refer to her as Dat because that's what it says on her Twitter. It says, who will start more games for the rest of the season, Aubameyang or Lacazette? Aubameyang, definitely. No, 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 he's, no. Our, he's our leading scorer. Without him, I don't know where it would be. So uh, I'd like Laka to try and get some form. He's not Like you said, Danny, earlier, he's not playing badly. He's just not scoring goals. And he's his, main, his main priority on the football pitch, however, is to score goals. That's what he is on the football pitch to do. And he's not doing that at the moment. So um, do I think he will stay beyond uh, the end of the season? I'm sorry, after into next season mm, I don't know I'll be honest with you I think uh, his goal scoring record is not the best you know especially away from home he, he's got a very few goals um, at home oh, sorry very few goals away um, he's just not been able to put the ball in the back in the net he's working hard and he's doing all this, the, uh, the stuff for us uh, I just think that because of the close relationship with Aubameyang and also Lacazette, if one leaves, I think the other's going to want to leave as well, to be honest. Mm, yeah, uh, but in all honesty, I am Aubameyang at the moment, he's our player and I want him to score, keep scoring goals because he's doing absolutely brilliantly. And I want Lacazette to try and find the back in the net very, very soon because, you know, I think, Abrami is one of them players where if it happens once, he will, he will get a few goals. He won't just get one goal. I think he just needs, like, you know, just one to go. Yeah. You know, I remember when Giroud, uh, and I hate talking about this because it was... You're not going to mention the run, are you? Yes, I am going to mention oh, it, Danny. Oh. Yes, it was the reason why we lost the league to Leicester. <laughs> that was the reason. He went 14 yes. games, 14 games without scoring. Um, <laughs> sorry. And I think that he just needs... Some uh, one of them wants to go in off his ass, in off his knee, off the side of his ear, or, like or something to let him take a penalty. Yeah, yeah, we forget a penalty. When's our last penalty for ages? But uh, Liverpool get them all. 
Yeah, um, so that's what he needs. And once that happens, I think he'll um, get a goal. But let's just hope um, he doesn't go on a run like Giroud. Something about French strikers, isn't it? It certainly is. <laughs> right, so two more questions and then you can do 5-4 and 5-3. So question for you from Mayank Nagrendon. I've tried to copy how Jay says that, so if I got that wrong, it's Mike. He says, how do you see the defence shaping up next season? Lots of questions, mark, question marks over players. We need an upgrade at centre-back, but have seven at the club now. How many move out? Just to clarify, I'm including Saliba in the list of centre-backs in our senior team at the moment. Wow. I think they nearly all need to go, didn't they? Apart from him, maybe Louise. Yeah, I think Mustafi we, we, we're going to want to get rid of, right? Um, he, he's clearly not good enough, but I think we've been desperate to, to get rid of him every window since he's been here, or, or at least since the first one, right? We've, we've, we've tried to sell him to West Brom. We even brought in Jorge Mendes in the summer to try and move him on. Um, and then, unfortunately, we made the mistake of playing him in a friendly and uh, he made a couple of mistakes against Barcelona and a couple of mistakes against Ajax and, and all interest in him from Monaco kind of died off. Um, Chambers, uh, you know, he's not going to go in the summer now because he's not back. He's, he's out for, for a long time. I don't think they're going to sell Bobby Holding. Um, you know, he didn't have the best game against Leeds with his use of the ball, but he's still, you know, we know he's a young, bright defender. The ones you're looking at really, yeah, I mean, Mustafi has to go, um, absolutely. Will, will they want to keep hold of Socrates if they bring in, say, uh, a Pemecano? Potentially, he, he, he could be one that could be moved on. Louise has only got another year on his contract. I think he only had a two-year contract. Do they want to sell him for a little bit of cash to try and recoup some of the $8 million they spent? They'll probably want him around um, just because he's a winner. Um, and because, you know, the experience he brings, he's still fit. He's still, you know very agile, flexible, plays the kind of football that Arteta wants. I can't see him moving anytime soon, but I think Socrates and Mustafi are the two to look out for. Pemacano, we know the club really, really like him. And so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's brought in in the summer. Um, and then, uh, I think, as the guy said, we need a right back as well because Bellerin is clearly, you know, you know, he's clearly not recovering well from that ACL um, and and we can't just rely on Maitland-Niles in that position. Um, I think that'll be the shake-ups, but whether it will be revolutionary, I you know, I have, I have my reservations. Okay, dokie. Right, one final question from Nikki G. Wilson, who you can go and find on Twitch at Nick Fights. Uh, he's very good and they're very entertaining. He has all the top quality gear, so go and, uh, go and give him a follow on Twitch. He's a mate of ours. He sends a question to us, which Carl's going to answer, which I've put in the chat box so Carl can have a little think, and I bet he didn't even read it. I'm reading it right now. You don't <laughs> I'll say it slowly so you can read it quickly and you can have a think. So, how many Arsenal legends have we made since moving to the Emirates Stadium? Nicky can only think of one. That's Aaron Ramsey for the FA Cup winning goal. Did he? Did Ramsey score FA Cup winning goal? Has, no one told me about this. Did anyone tell you, Carl? No. Um, no. Did you know five? I did because I was at them. Shush. Fucking out armchair. No idea what they're talking about, Carl. Have you? No. No. Have you got an answer? <laughs> a legend is a big word and I'm sick of it it gets thrown about so much you know someone does something oh it's an Arsenal legend like there's very few Arsenal legends and I know 
Danny and I sort of differ on this. Like I would say Patrick Vieira is an Arsenal legend where I know that you don't I think mean, he, he is because he left. Yeah. Uh, you don't think Tier on reason Arsenal legends, whereas yeah, I think he is. is because you think he left. Like Dennis Bergkamp is an Arsenal legend. Tony Adams obviously is an Arsenal legend. Beyond that, recently, mm, no, because I wouldn't put Sesk in that frame of Arsenal legend. I think that. You know, uh, no, I just, I just, I think our last legend was obviously Henri. Uh, after that, would I put Aaron Ramsey as an Arsenal legend? No, I, I, I wouldn't. So I think our last Arsenal legend was Henri and not, nothing else since then. I think your Arsenal legend had to be players that would be in your starting eleven and maybe at a push, three subs, and Ramsey wouldn't make any of that lot. Or one person might put him there, but the same person would have Peter Nicholas playing in midfield and Reese Wilmot in goal. Not saying why, because that would be that would be wrong. <laughs> Mr. Fifey, have you got your the corner named after you ready? I have, and I'm yeah. shocked that you took my name in vain with such a malign question this week. It was uh, your idea to ask the listeners a question every week, so we named it Fifey. Quite a good one. <laughs> Go on in. All right. Uh, so the the question, I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed by my name to this. Fife's forum this week. <laughs> who do we realistically need to buy this January? Um, and so this is, the, uh, as you listeners know, your your chance to give us your answers to our question. So Stefan Selby uh, very succinctly uh, and, and philosophically quizzes, what's the point of being realistic? That's just boring. Um, the Arsenal fan says, I think realistically it'll be a few loan moves. Give the boss time to properly access the squad and make a better decision in the summer. Even my opinion is changing as a fan after each game. Uh, Kwame uh, Badu, uh, sorry, Buadu, realistically uh, need a strong, versatile defender and or a physical DM who could possibly uh, who could possibly be our Fernandinho as well, if need be, deploy at the back and a CAM. But in reality, foe, we will sign no one. He harumps. Uh, Dat says. The best available defenders. That's uh, that's good. Uh, appreciate the contribution there, Dad. Uh, Nick Wilson. We need to buy good, solid, consistent players. Players that are strong on and off the ball. Players that can do the basics and not just the flashy tricks and flicks. Players that, when we go one nil down, don't hide but stand up to be counted as true Arsenal players. Caroon says basically a right back, a centre back, a left back. Since Tierney is out for three months, Jerome Paratang is past his best, uh, past his peak. We can play both centre back and right back, which can address two of our deficiencies. I'd even take Fabregas, to be honest. Thirty-two years old, and guess who his agent is? Darren Dean. That's a name you don't hear every day, is it? Matt L. Roberts says, realistically, loans make more sense. Someone who is able to fill the void in defence, who's needed, is who's who needed, is to ideally a left back, right back, and if they can play in the centre when needed. To, I mean, this is fucking unrealistic. This guy wants a left, someone who can play left back, right back, and centre back in one. That's just greedy. Matt Roberts, I'm not reading out the rest of that. Um, <laughs> my Ank says, realistically, I look, everyone's actually used your uh, your question as well. Real, everyone's put realistically in it. Let's run a few. Realist, I mean, yeah, realistically, someone who can play right back, centre back, and left back and wants to come to us. And, Matt Roberts. Realistically, need a centre midfielder, <laughs> but the squad is already quite big. Need few people to leave permanently first. Ooh. Well, that was, uh, that was a turn up for the book. So thank you for that, mate. So that is this week's Fives Forum at a close. Thank you. Thank you all for your, for your very, uh, 
they're very touching contributions there and uh, to my uh, co-team for putting to, uh, putting you uh, entertaining you with such fantastic questions was that Andrew mm-hmm. being passive aggressive there I think yeah. I like a, a bit of passive aggressive Andrew yeah <laughs> I mean, realistically, someone who can play left back, right back, and centre back in January. You've Has he not seen our budget? <laughs> You've angered the Fife. Don't ever anger the Fife. Sorry, fire. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Andrew's angry, so I think we need to wrap this up. Uh, so we'll have. Um, oh, fuck off, Danny. We'll have shout outs to um, everyone. So. Danny, who is your shout-out? It's going to be the general Arsenal... I don't like the word community, but we are a kind of community. And the the, the outpouring of emotion that has been for for when Steve passed. And when Steve didn't go to many games recently, because in, in recent years, because he was living in Poland, David went to loads of games. I The day I met you, Carl, I was meant to meet David, but the shitty lifts at Arsenal weren't working. And I couldn't bump myself down the stairs. So I sat at that lift waiting for 20 fucking minutes... And if I wouldn't have been waiting there 20 minutes, I'd have got down there and met him in time. But he had a lift, so I couldn't end up meeting him. But I've got a friend in America, and me and her, we talk on WhatsApp most days of the week. And she she's come over for a couple of games, and she's got a photo of her and David. And she says he's one of the most lovely people that, that she'd ever met at the football. And he's a, just, a, just a lovely, lovely bloke. And, and the love of David has reached all the way out to the colonies. And just to all everybody who knew him and everyone who missed him. And we all knew Steve had been ill for quite a while, but none of us knew how serious it was with David. And it's just just so shocking. That's part of the reason why this is our first podcast since the 20th of December. And that was just the um, announcing Arteta. It was just so... <laughs> it's just... Um, I just, if I just put the colonies in the thing, that's a... If you listen to Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo, everybody from the colonies refers to themselves as a colonial listener. Um yeah, so just uh, it's just been such a sad time. That's why we've not done a podcast because it is really hard to have lost two of your mates in the space of four months. People that have done sixty podcasts, each one of those is two hours. I, I, I've known people that I went to school with in the in the seventies that I don't even speak to for an hour a year, let alone hundreds of hours and WhatsApp every day. And to lose people like that is really hard to come on here and put out a show that is going to be entertaining rather than us just like going, well, what's the fucking point? That's why Jason and and uh, John and Chris and Josh and all the other people that do all the radio shows, they have to do it. They can't go, we're not going to do a show. I can do. I can say, oh, I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel up to trying to entertain the millions and millions at home who watch, who listen and watch this podcast. So, yeah, we're back now. But it is. if Dave was here, he'd go, I'll oh, stop being a silly sod and get on with it. So we are. We're getting on with it. So, yes, I just want to say hello to everybody who misses him. That was a short answer. Carl? It was a Chris answer. Thank you. That was very nice. Um, Andrew, who is your shout-out to? Well, I mean, I, I will give a shout-back out to Matt Roberts um, for unfairly critiquing this. <laughs> Well, we do genuinely appreciate all all contributions made from our listeners. So thank you, Matt. I, I was only jesting, and of course, a, a huge shout out to David, who who who's uh, very sadly missed, and will long be in our hearts and, and in our minds. And, and it's such a shame to lose a man of such great stature, a man who made us all better Arsenal fans, who is one of the best bloggers and one of the, uh, one of the most well-read and, and intellectual fans. You know, we've been blessed uh, to have amongst us in the community, and and especially here on on, on the podcast. So. 
you know, our thoughts are with him and his his family, his wife, who, who, who you know, I know has been in contact with us at the pod. Uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just massively sad to lose two of your best mates within such short succession. But it's been a tough, it was a tough end to, to, to a tough year. But, you know, we, we need to pick ourselves back up and, and move on. That's very nice. Um, I will be exactly the same. I, my gentleman's nod, well, my first of two, because I'm having two. Because I can, is to David. David was the nicest person you could ever meet. He genuinely was. I remember when I first podded with him, I literally was in awe of him. And I remember saying, I can't wait to pod with him. And I remember when I met him as well, like I couldn't wait to shake his hand. And I think I would push Jason out of the way, mm-hmm. um, which is no easy feat just to shake his hand because it was absolutely. Um, just he's just a lovely person, and I, and I can't believe how much of a, a of a lovely person um, he actually um, was. So yeah, definitely to David. And my second shout out is to uh, at the Lion Guna um, Chris because he's the only person of you fuckers that followed me that said Merry Christmas to me. So yeah, go away, you lot. <laughs> uh, so yes, that was um, a Burkamp Wonderland. Um, we're going to Danny talk about the upcoming shows. We got the Crystal Palace game, which I am actually going to, uh, and I'm sitting in the Crystal Palace end. So, and if Arsenal win, I will be celebrating. So, if you don't see me again, I love you all. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know who's on the Crystal Palace game, Danny. Do you know, or is it it's going to be? Well, it says here, John hosting Carl and Femi. Hmm, well. That could be an issue. <laughs> Unless you're bringing your phone to the game. Um, oh, yes, like, so. um, like a famous uh, Arsenal personality who uh, films himself celebrating. <laughs> uh, so I'm just looking through it. And Jason, as usual, Jason's asked for, say, who's free? And everyone has either not replied or said no. So it looks like it's just going to be John and I'm sure someone will step in. Chris is always really good like that. He could always step in at the last minute. So uh, hopefully someone will. Indeedy. Um, right. So, Danny, uh, it is um, time to say goodbye. So say goodbye, Danny. Goodbye, Danny. And Fife has just sent me a WhatsApp saying my battery has died. I'm no longer... Oh, there you go. As I say, it disappears. <laughs> so right. he says, Fifey uh, says, uh, thank you for having me on and putting up with my, of all the IT crap. That we love. Now, thank you very much for hosting, Carl. I do like it when you're on because it means I don't have to. We love Andrew. No worries, Daniel, because you have to be here. Andrew was here. He would say goodbye. So I'm saying goodbye for Andrew. Daniel, I will talk to you soon. And dear listeners and or listener, as Danny says, uh, thank you for listening and or watching if you're watching on uh, YouTube. And we shall see you after the Crystal Palace game. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.